Hello everyone and welcome to the, uh, we're getting close to the penultimate, I don't know if this is the penultimate or next one will be the penultimate, uh, F1 show, Formula S here on the SWW show, um, I have to accept all the cookies on the F1 site because apparently I hadn't, schedule, let's see, we were talking about the Nürburgring Portugal. Whoa, 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 the Nurburgring. That's I don't like that. That sounds AJ. Uh, what offensive thing are we talking about today? The Nurburgring. I'm just. You're thinking of Nuremberg. <laughs> Two completely thing, right? different cities. Oh. Nurburg is a an incredibly small village. It's actually inside of the racetrack. What? Yeah. You know the Nurburgring. Like, I know. I, I feel like people, even if you're not really into cars or into racing, you've heard of the Nürburgring. It's that ridiculously long racetrack in Germany. Okay. Like where car manufacturers tout their times around the Nürburgring. So, like that's the thing? Got it. Yeah. So that's the Nordschleife, the North Track. And the village of Nürburgring is actually inside the Nordschleife. Mm -hmm. Because the Nordschleife is effectively a ring road around the village. Um, In fact, it's a public road. It's a toll road, but you could take any normal car out there. Um, But F1 and a couple other series race on the GP track, which to the south of the Nordschleife that they kind of, they've added it in the, I think it was the late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's not Nuremberg. It's not the Nuremberg trials. Don't worry. Oh good. I was very concerned. You had me scared. So we've got one, two, well, okay, one, two, three races. So this is the penultimate episode wow. of formula S. This calendar has got me all kinds of screwed in terms of when things are. I can imagine. Uh, Yeah, I would say in terms of the tracks, we got pretty much three of the, not necessarily most unique, but three completely different tracks. Mm -hmm. Uh. Portimao and uh, or Algarve, sorry, in uh, Portugal was the first time F1 had ever run there. So that was kind of cool to watch them go to a new, like a brand new track for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nürburgring has been, not in the recent years, but it, it the, between the Nürburgring and Hockenheim Ring, they would go back and forth for the German Grand Prix. Every now and then, a few seasons, they would have the other German race as the European Grand Prix. Um, so they have hosted two German races uh, in a season before. Uh, the Nürburgring hasn't been on the calendar lately, though, because of financial issues. Um, because the track is completely... The, the GP track is completely separate in, uh, in terms of being an entity 
from the Nordschleife, so they don't get any of the the benefits that you know the Nordschleife gets in terms of the revenue and things like that. So the GP tract only gets racing. So it's it's very difficult for you know a track in any economy to their only thing is racing. You know, you need to get track days and public rentals and things like that. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. We had some pretty big news during these uh, three races. Uh, Lewis Hamilton is now the winningest driver in history. Um, he would never do it, but this is Lewis dropping another giant middle finger to all of the uh, British fans in 2008 that dressed up in blackface and him as a monkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? 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 Yep, that seriously happened. The UK is extremely racist. Um, they only tolerate him right now because he's winning. We have gotten to a point now where. Only Hamilton or Botas could win the driver's title. So everybody else is mathematically eliminated. Uh, Botas could be eliminated at Turkey, I think, with... Hamilton might only have to score one point. Really? You think it's is it that close? It's, well, it's a pretty wide gap. And I guess, so you have... You have Turkey, the two Bahrain races, and then Abu Dhabi. So that's 26, 52, 104. So you would need a 104-point gap to have already claimed it. Okay. And Botas has 197. Hamilton has 282. He's at 90. A little under 90. So he would, if he wins Turkey, which he probably will, um, you know, Botas, Botas basically has to win out to have any chance in hell at getting this. Um, you know, Lewis has a little, a little more breathing room. Valtteri has to be perfect. Lewis can kind of fuck around around. whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, both Haas drivers are out of their seats at the end of the year. It seemed like it was amicable between all three parties because they had a joint statement um, Mm -hmm. from the two drivers and then the team. Uh, Let's see. What else do we have for silly season? So here Gasly announced he is staying at Alpha Tauri. Williams and Alpha announced that they are keeping their same drivers. So that leaves the Haas seats. One Alpha Tauri. And I think that's it. So three seats open for next year. Um Yeah, it'll it'll get interesting for sure. And uh one of those, one of the drivers that could fill those seats is Nico Hulkenberg, and he has been kind of racing points saving grace as they completely fuck up their COVID 
protocols. When you say completely fuck up, what do you mean? Uh, well, both drivers have at one point in the season tested positive. No oh, other fine. drivers have. Their garage had an outbreak. Mm. Um. Yeah. Their uh, racing points getting kind of the you know microscope to them and how they're handling it because nobody else has really dealt with more than two cases. Mm-hmm. And those are those are usually mechanics, so they're a little easier to quarantine and they have had they've basically only had contact with people in the garage okay so and generally you would have other mechanics like at the factory or something like that waiting if something were to happen um racing point has had both their drivers over a dozen staff you know the teams that they're traveling with aren't that big. So for, you know, I think it was 14 or 15 of them who've contracted it. That doesn't look good for them. But we will, uh, I don't know what kind of punishment they'll get. Probably none, if we're being honest, but yeah. That does get us, though, into the first of the three races. Boom, boom, boom. That's many races sound. I was working on it all week. What do you think? Uh, Well, that would have been good in the... Uh, early? I think it was the early 2000s. Like, super early 2000s. So I did, I did good. I, I did that well. Was, that was the last time it would have been apl- ac- applicable. Applicable? Yeah. applicable? Oh, applicable. So I, I work on the noise somewhere? Yeah, it needs to be more of a, like... There, It's... A, a modern F1 car is super hard to describe what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. I got this. I got this. I got I'm doing it. You ready for it, AJ? Yeah. Chugga 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 Does that work? No. Is that is that now an F one cry sounds like? No. It does. I I will give you this. The the sound of the air coming off the car, kind of has a a thud like a chug to it. Okay. As it creates a vacuum behind the car. But. That's about as close as you got. Mm. But we get to the Nürburgring. Uh, typical late summer, early fall weather for Germany. Uh, just a heavy mist hanging in the air. Not even fog. Like they, it, it wasn't even nice enough to be fog. It was mist. It was just a constant. So they couldn't... Um, they couldn't run FP1 or FP2 because the helicopter couldn't uh, make it to the hospital in time. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. else they could have done, but that was the that was the limiting factor. In fact, they had a secondary landing site for the helicopter that they had to designate just in case, like the mist hung around, mm-hmm. where they could get an ambulance out there fast enough and then the helicopter would be able to 
reach the hospital in time. Mm-hmm. That's why those two uh, were canceled, so they kind of had a Super Saturday. Super Saturday? I like Super Saturdays. Yeah. They ended up having like a, a little bit longer FP3 to kind of get um, some of the testing stuff and things like that in there. Mm-hmm. Obviously qualifying on Saturday. Uh, race day was 48 degrees Fahrenheit air temp. Track temp was like 50. Is that a problem? That is cold as fuck. It's, you can't even finish the work. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it was extremely cold for F1 cars. They do, like the cars actually like running in the cold. But the tires don't. Okay. So, because obviously... Any, anybody that knows how a um, a turbocharged engine works, the colder the air, the better. Right. Because that means the denser the air, so the more air you can cram into the cylinder and the more fuel you can put in there. So, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and basically, like the colder the ambient air, the less work the radiators have to do. Mm-hmm. So the more efficient the engine is overall. Um, yeah, but the tires were just struggling all then. Um, Lance Stroll, this was the race that he had to miss because of COVID. Um, the kind of the shitty part about how they handled it, or he handled it, he left Saturday night no, Friday night. And Sunday morning, he was home, wherever home is, and announced that he had tested positive. On his, like, Instagram or something like that. So, granted, he probably chartered a plane. His dad's a billionaire, by the way. Um, So, they either have a plane or he chartered a plane. But still, it's like... Dude, just hunker down in Germany. Yeah, and worst comes to worst, you're there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, shit really hits the fan and you have to go to the hospital. But Like, realistically, uh, yeah. that's, yeah. So, Hulkenberg, the uh, Superman for Racing Point, uh, had to fill in. He had less than a day's notice. So he basically had to drop everything. Granted, he already lives in Germany, so it wasn't a huge, um, huge drive for him. Mm-hmm. But he did it in his the ultimate just stunting on fools because he has no affiliation, so he doesn't get a free car. He's got a uh, Porsche 911 GT2, GTRS2, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. GT2RS, however they whatever their naming is. So basically the top end 9-11. I'm like, dude, you're just stunting on fools now. Um, yeah. Pretty valiant effort from him. Uh, we get to qualifying. Um, as I say, he puts in a pretty valiant effort, but he only goes 20th. Not super surprising, considering 
basically qualifying was the first session that he had. He got a little practice, and then he was thrown into qualifying. Mm-hmm. Which, feel bad for him, but he's a good enough driver. Um, Grosjean was a full three-tenths down on Kevin Magnuson, though. This is the the dissension in Haas, right? Like, it, you know, it kind of, the floodgates have opened for them now that, now that both drivers aren't coming back. They're like, well, we don't care. The, the car's shit. Like, several interviews, <laughs> both drivers have said, like, this car is terrible. It's the worst on the grid. It's just <laughs> hilarious to see. Um, going along Vettel gets into uh, Q3 for approximately 10 seconds just to add insult to injury to his season Leclerc's the one that knocks him back down he cannot catch a break in the Ferrari um Botas puts him a lap of the gods a quarter second faster than Hamilton and these were both these were both like second or third flying lap times, so not their first flying lap. This was this was true pace. This wasn't like a lucky first lap or like a bad first lap that Hamilton had. This is Robo to us just being a robot, finding speed in every corner. And Leclerc gets the Ferrari up to a fourth and qualifying pretty big, considering that thing uh, has the aerodynamic properties of a brick. And the engine out of a VW Beetle. Uh, We get to the race right off the bat. First turn, Mercs Mercs push each other wide. Somehow they both get through. One of them almost went off into the grass. That's fine. That's fine. Are you are you implying to me that going in the grass is a bad thing? Uh, yes. Especially when that <laughs> when that grass was probably slick from overnight, either frost or dew. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't want to get a car into the grass, as we'll see uh, later on. Um. A little bit later on, Daniel Ricciardo goes for the switch back on Leclerc and just elbows out in turn two, makes that car as wide as possible, makes the makes the move stick. Um, 155 into the, the race recap video, uh, Botas locks up from a ways out. <laughs> he, goes, he goes sliding for a bit. He probably felt like he was on the roller coaster there at the track. Uh, going into turn one, it was. It, it had to have been like a. Uh, he probably could have made a diamond while that happened. Um, two eleven. Russell George Russell. I I swear this guy is this guy's cursed. Why do you say so? He he just can't catch a break. It's. People either cutting him off or the car just failing him. Just just can't get a break. Hmm. Uh, which is almost immediately followed by 
at 222. Kimmy understeering in turn one into George Russell. And Russell effectively pirouetting the car on the rear left wheel. He was, he was, yeah, he went into the air. And F1 cars, especially now, can't survive a bump like that, like crashing down in the ground. Something's going to snap. There was a time, probably in the 60s and 70s, where they may have been able to survive that because much more of that racing was wheel-to-wheel and kind of like how NASCAR is now, which is crazy to think about because the cars in the 60s were, well, they called them cigar cars for a reason. That's a good term for it. Yeah. They were about as wide as the driver. And not super long. And the only thing extending from them were the wheels. So you're bumping wheel to wheel with your wheels. There's no body work to do anything. Um, 236, as I said, the grass comes back into play. Apparently Daniel Kvyat thought the grass in the uh, chicane was a little too long. Uh, He decided to uh, fix that for them by going through it and uh, mowing it down. I love that. He's like, he, he, he fixed the problem. Yeah. He's like, you know, I feel like you guys didn't do a very good job mowing through here. So I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to help you out. I'm just going to boop, 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 boop. Oh, crap. <laughs> but uh, as a result of him completely blowing that chicane, which I felt bad for him. He he was on pace for a pretty good race. Um, Alex Albon caught way up because obviously yacht uh locked up went through the chicane and was barely rolling um when he got through that albon goes to make the pass and i don't know if he thought he was clear or what but he basically he turns left to get onto the racing line and completely takes off kvyat's front wing Really? Like, he hit it clean. Like, his rear left tire just just clean off. Took the entire front wing, sheared off the carbon supports, and just launched it. And obviously that's not necessarily the end of the race for Kvyat. They could go and get a new front wing. But, like... But he had to do an entire lap without a front wing. Because that was on the final turn. So pit entry is right before the final turn starts. Mm-hmm. Kvyat loses his wing at the exit of the last turn. So he had to do an entire lap of a pretty aero-dependent track without a front wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 306, we find out that Mercedes is in fact human. <laughs> Um, Botas just loses power. Has to retire the car. And you know, it's it's kind of weird because generally Mercedes they'll have one or two races where one of the cars fails because what they do is they try to take their cars as long as they can. Mm-hmm. So 
gearboxes, full-on engines, turbos, things like that, are designed to last, like, six races, I think it is. Okay. So they try to take it, the full six, and then as far as they can. So that, inevitably, when they replace them and they have to take a grid penalty, the theory is they've built up enough of a gap in terms of points that they could sacrifice a race. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So, um, when you play with fire, sometimes you get burned, and uh, this is a case of that. At uh, 424, Lando Norris had to retire the, uh, his McLaren. He mentioned it was a loss of the ERS system, so the battery, the energy recovery system. Okay. In his car. Which... You sound unsure? Like, you don't believe it? Well, I don't... I can't remember seeing anything coming out that it was, in fact, ERS, and it wasn't, like, a... something else, that like a uh, electrical gremlin. Mm-hmm. But effectively, what happens is when you lose ERS, you... you lose any way of recharging the battery. Well... That's fine and dandy, but when you run out of that electrical energy, the car tries to pull whatever other electrical energy there is, so that will shut down the car. Effectively, he was on an electrical time bomb. You know, the car was just going to run itself out of electricity. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. Feel bad for him. Um, The 530 Vettel and the Oscar's battle again, and yet again, Vettel just full-on hip checks a car. This time it's Kevin, so both uh, Roman and Kevin have been hip-checked by Sebastian Vettel. Both of them recovered, so all good. At uh, 6.14, Hamilton ties the all-time win record with Michael... Schumacher. Michael Schumacher is he is he related to um the duly departed Joel Schumacher? Potentially. Hmm. I mean, also his last name means shoemaker. Yeah. Like. So that's like calling somebody Smith, or uh, yeah. And it's it's a descriptive last name. It's it's what last names used to be, right? Like, yeah, no thousand percent. Um. So, also T's and P's to Michael Schumacher. He is, as far as I far as I know, is still recovering in the hospital. He took a pretty nasty skiing crash and uh, has been on and off in a coma. Oh, ever since. So. Peace and peace to him. His son, Mick, is potentially filling one of the Haas seats next year. Interesting. Because Mick was a uh, Ferrari driver academy. Of course he was. Um, And Haas's technical partnership with Ferrari kind of makes them a third Ferrari team in a way. To wrap up the Nürburgring, uh, Daniel Ricciardo gets a podium. He had a deal with Cyril Abutabal, who is the team principal at Renault, that if Ricardo gets a podium, Cyril gets a tattoo. What? <laughs> yep. 
So I'm not sure who that should be more like who had more faith, right? Did Cyril have more faith that the car just could not get a podium? So he was like, of course I'll get a tattoo, Danny. Or did Daniel have so much confidence in the car that he's like, we can get a podium. Which awesome. Also it's, uh, Daniel's choosing of design and placement. Hmm. If Cyril does not get a tramp stamp, I am greatly disappointed. But, uh, yeah, so then we go on to Portugal, the Algarve circuit. Um, as I said, first time for F1. A lot of the drivers, though, that grew up driving in Europe have driven this track in the junior circuit. Um, it's a pretty popular uh, junior track. It has some crazy elevation changes. And some of the camera angles make it look like the car is coming out of the heavens. Um, it's pretty fast. It's fun. I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the drivers seem to really enjoy their first time at Algarve. Um, we get also, to call it's very it... dangerous for doing that. For what? Because of that, like of the elevation change, when they make it more dangerous. No, not really. I mean, if anything, like, a lot of what it was is, so it's kind of built on a hillside. Mm -hmm. So you're, like, coming up and down a hill, effectively. So a lot of the elevation changes are heading down the hill, or where the extreme ones are, and then you're coming back up. Okay. So it's not like you're, it's not like a roller coaster where, like, you're coming up and then the track just falls out from underneath you. That'd be amazing. That would that would be dangerous. Because we would truly get to see if these cars could set themselves <laughs> to the ground. Um we get to quality. 106 into the video, Russell gets into Q2, making it a clean 33 and 0 against his teammates in his career. He could potentially if he stays at Williams for another couple of seasons, he could go down as like the best qualifier ever in terms of against his teammates. Cause I don't think anybody else would be anywhere close to 33 and 0 um, for their career at two fifteen, Vettel goes 15th. He is almost a full second down on the other Ferrari, which is already down almost a full second. At uh, 2.36, Daniel Rick spins, and it looks like as he's spinning, it looks like something's flying away from the car. Um, so potentially a suspension or something like that in the back broke and uh, caused that car to, to oversteer and then spin out, and that was just the debris from it. Um, at 6.35, Hamilton just pulls the... Uh, Pulls the bully card and swipes pull from Botas. Botas had led every session except for Q3. Okay. Well, free practice one, free practice two, free practice three, 
Q1, Q2, all Botas top of the sheets. And then Hamilton was like, psych, this one's mine. Uh, we get into the race, 25 seconds in, Max and Sergio Perez tangle, and Perez gets the worst of it. We get 139, the end of lap one. Also, I would say go out and look up, um, I think it's on F1's official YouTube, Kimi Raikkonen's first lap onboard camera. The guy is like playing the F1 video game with the AI set to easy. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's so fun to watch. So... He's up there running with the big dogs. He's running with uh, like Albon, Leclerc, um, one of the McLarens. And then here's this. Here's Alfa Romeo, Kimi Raikkonen, probably on the radio telling him, shut up, I know what I'm doing. Um, yeah. Uh, 326, Stroll, back in this race, goes for a move that I don't think anybody would have gone for him. And Norris has nowhere else to go but the side of Stroll. And Stroll spins out. and I didn't put it on here. I'm pretty sure it was this race. Um, let's just say Lance Stroll didn't make any friends at Algarve. Okay. And in fact, solicited a response from the Worldwide Mongol People's Association after uh, Max called him a Mongol as an insult. Also, I didn't realize the Mongolian people had a worldwide awareness thing, but they do. Um... At 5.30, Pierre Gasly and Daniel Ricciardo going hard through turn one, showing them how it's done. Um, It's fun because these guys, like, Ricciardo is considered the last of the late breakers, meaning he's very good at knowing the limits of his breaks and can break even later than you can. Pierre Gasly's kind of getting that reputation as well. So it's fun to watch these battles between these guys that just know exactly how far they can push the car. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, we have one more note, but this was a pretty boring race. It was a lot of good battling back and forth, but in terms of like highlights, it's not that great. 625, Hamilton breaks the record, becomes the greatest driver of all I said it, a bunch of people are saying it there are still people that say that Schumacher's the best, but guess what Hamilton will have 100 poles and 100 wins before his career's up wow nobody else will ever do that probably ever Like, I just don't see unless another manufacturer just goes on a tear the way that Mercedes has Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we get to our last race. One of the 
I'll say most controversial tracks that F1 could return to. Really? Yeah. Um, they haven't raced at Imola since 06. And that was post, um, post renovations to the track. It's just like, A, it doesn't draw a lot of numbers. And B, everybody loves the Monza race because it's just flat out speed. And Emil is kind of like it, so F1 was like, we don't need two of the same race on the calendar. Mm-hmm. This is the track, though, that claimed the lives of Roland Ratzenberger and Ayrton Senna in one weekend in 94. Um, as I say, several turns have changed. The first turn where Senna lost his life has now become kind of a chicane. There's a couple other... Um, Modifications made to the track to slow it down. Because it's an old school track. Like, it's gravel runoffs. It's steel walls. There's, I think, fencing for almost the entire track. So if the car goes up, you're getting launched into that. Um, Gasly was running a really, really cool Senna tribute helmet. Mm -hmm. Which works even better because... Senna has probably the most easily recognizable helmet of all time. It's that yellow with the green on the side and then the Honda on the visor. Obviously when he was at McLaren. And it's even better with Honda being the engine supplier for Alpha Tower. He can make that. He can make it work. It was awesome. Um, we get into qualifying 17 seconds in. Um, I don't know what his deal is, but Kevin Magnuson seems to have a problem this year with the Italian tracks and their pit entries. Obviously, he retired at Monza at the pit entry. He uh, goes to the beach right before pit entry. Pit injury? Can you pit say in- the word? Pit entry. Pit injury. Box. Box, box, box. Box. Pit injury. What is the other term you had trouble with earlier today? I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, applicable. 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 Yeah. Um, 32 seconds in, Russell gets into U2 again. Super surprising. I didn't think the Williams would get out of Q3 at all this year. They have several times. 108, Daniel Ricciardo was on one to get through to Q2. He he was exploiting as much of the track as he could without breaking track limits, mm-hmm. especially going through the final turn. Um, 228, I think for the first time this year, Alex Albon was above max on the timesheets. Granted, it's Q2, so it's not a huge... A huge accomplishment, but still pretty big. Um, 248, Vettel just, I don't know, continues to struggle with this Ferrari. And uh, Leclerc just either has a more innate understanding of the car or is just somehow able to handle it better. Um... 558, Bottas grabs the pole. 
has a gap of less than a tenth of a second. So it was he was on one too. Now uh, we get into the race. Forty seconds into the ra- or forty seconds into the race. No, um, forty seconds into the video. Kevin goes for a spin. Again, I feel like every race one of the hosses are spinning around. Uh, two fifty three. Ocon retires the car on the side, of the road, out of the track. The virtual safety car is released. Hamilton pits under that time. And as he's exiting the pits, the virtual safety car is lifted. Seems pretty sketchy. Um, so basically what the virtual safety car is, is instead of releasing the the real safety car and getting everybody bunched up and all that, the virtual safety car is kind of designed to allow track marshals to, like, if it's something very localized. Um to clean it up and the drivers get on their screen a time that they have to be below like they have to be slower than this time through a section so it in theory it keeps the gaps between the drivers um and doesn't bunch them back all uh all up but Kind of weird that it only lasted for about 20 seconds. So, there were definitely some conspiracy theorists saying that they released the safety, the VSC, when they noticed Hamilton was a, like, the last second for Hamilton to pit. And then cleared it once he left the pits, therefore nobody else could, could get a pit. I'm not 100% sold on that theory. It is weird, though, that it happened the way it did. Um, yeah. 331, Botas uh, locks it up, going through a turn, and uh, I think he forgot his towel, though, but he did go to the beach just for a little bit. That's probably why he didn't have his towel with him. Um... Max tries to get by, gets passed on the front straight with DRS, because of course. Which, not for very long, because at 410, uh, Max had a, as I love this phrase, a sudden decompression on his right rear. Effectively, his right rear tire blew up. Um, and... He definitely looks salty because he was at the beach with no towel and he was going to stay there for a while. <laughs> um, at 434, again, Russell. This one was on him, though. Just gooses it coming out of a corner underneath a safety car and crashes into the wall. Reminiscent of one Roman Grosjean at Baku, I believe in 2017, did the exact same thing. And I want to say he blamed it on, he blamed it on somebody. And it was clearly his fault. Um, Russell didn't blame anybody, but it's like, dude, you can't do that. Like, the safety car is the easiest thing to do. 
507, Albon spins coming out of the Villeneuve chicane. Um, 519, Daniel Kvyat has his uh, inner history of playing bumper cars rise up again. This time with Leclerc. <laughs> Kvyat played bumper cars with Vettel at Russia in 2015, I want to say. Um, retiring Vettel, but both of them uh, were fine. 544, the race ends. Mercedes claims their seventh title in a row. Instructor's title. Breaking the record of Ferrari that had six in a row. Again, I don't see anybody breaking this record anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would take a minimum of seven years, and it doesn't it's look like yeah, yeah, it doesn't look like Mercedes is slowing down anytime soon. Also, Daniel Ricciardo back on the podium, not another tattoo. As Cyril made it very clear on the radio, only one tattoo, but we got the return of the greatest celebration in all of motorsports: the Shoei. Shoei came back. And it was amazing because Lewis finally did one. So walk awesome. me through the history of the Shoei. All right, I will walk you through the history that I know. Apparently, this started sometime in I believe the sixties or seventies in Australia. The driver won and poured his whatever they had, you know, whatever their. Uh, podium drink was whether it was champagne beer whatever mm-hmm. would pour it into his shoe and then drink God. it out of his shoe apparently this is a thing that australians do anyway oh wait 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 wait! australians do this anyway yeah like it's a bar it's like a party thing like like australia we know you're fucked up you got the big spiders the big rats you want to fucking die from all the skin cancer right we get that this is a new fucking level this here, I never want to hear about Americans and their weird culture ever fucking again. If it's normal for you to take off your shoe, pour your fucking drink into it, and then drink out of said shoe, that is weird as flying fuck. Now take into consideration a driver's boot that is <laughs> sweaty as all hell. Um, so that, that had been Daniel's uh, podium celebration. For several years now, and he has got some celebrities to do it. He had Patrick Stewart do it. Gerard Butler did it. Um, Martin Brundle apparently begged Daniel Ricardo to do it. And Daniel replied and called him, you are a sick bastard. <laughs> um, Should I say? Yeah. So yeah, the Shoei's back. The Shoei, the Shoei in COVID times is back. Also, it's COVID. What the fuck? Well, you'll know. I put a photo in our doc. Daniel used both of his shoes. So Lewis had one shoe and Daniel had the other. Normally, it's one shoe. So, like, everybody's drinking out of one shoe. God almighty. Like, hear me out. At least if you're drinking at a party, the alcohol, like, decontaminizes it. You're just probably drinking Gatorade at this fucking point. Well, no, on the podium, they're drinking champagne. 
Okay, but like I'm talking about, if you put hard liquor in there, it's safe. I don't know if I put champagne in there, it's safe. <laughs> I would consider champagne to be hard. It's not hard. Champagne is like beer and wine. It's 15, not... 15 to 20%. That's, that's weak shit. Shoey history. The shoey. I'm curious when, like, drinking from shoes is the name of the, uh, the Wikipedia article. Okay. Um, the shoey is particularly popular in, but not limited to, Australia. Um, the most commonly used drink is beer, however, other alcoholic beverages are also used. Um, Ricardo has said, if the champagne is cold, then it tastes good. If it's warm, then you might get the sweat through it, but the cold taste kills the bad stuff, so it's delicious. Okay, so it looks like in terms of modern, um, motorsports stuff, Mm -hmm. 2015, maybe? I'm seeing, uh, David Reynolds... Supercars driver. Won his first non-endurance race of his career. He did a shoey. Yeah. So, Ricardo introduced it in 2016. Uh, Mark Weber, who is a former F1 driver for Red Bull. He's an Australian as well. He's done one. Um... Christian Horner, team boss of Red Bull, has done one. Gerard Butler has done one. Patrick Stewart. Um, I said Martin Brunel did one. Yeah. Apparently... Hash House Harriers, which is an international group of non-competitive running social clubs. Okay, it looks like off-road running stuff. Uh, Who wear new shoes to an event can be required to drink from that shoe. So not necessarily a shoey in... In the normal sense. Also, you have to like, dude. This is this tradition has been around forever. Mm-hmm. Drinking champagne from a lady's slipper became a symbol of decadence in the early early twentieth century. Um, the German army has a hazing ritual where you drink from another soldier's boot, like, you know. It's the idea has been around for the Middle Ages, so like not a huge. It's weird. It's weird, but it's also not like unheard of. I guess. Damn Australians! Well, blame the Germans. It looks like, as everybody else does, they blame the Germans for. It. And for about a 40-year period, you were probably right. 
In terms of schedule, though, we have got Turkey. We have got the Bahrain head back-to-back. Uh, -back. I was going to say head-to-head, -head, but it's back-to-back. -back. And then we've got Abu Dhabi to finish up the season. Excuse me, Abu Dhabi will be the day after Cyberpunk releases. Well, so the day, it's like two or three days before we know the presidential election. Is that, wait, is that delayed Cyberpunk day? Yeah. Okay. Uh, went to the 10th. Which I drove by my local Best Buy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what your local Best Buy looks like, but mine has the... Uh, Pretty yellow and blue, well, I say. Yes, but mine has the giant glass facade on the front. Mm, okay. And so above the sliding doors in the glass facade was a giant cyberpunk ad. And it said 11, 19, <laughs> 20. You're like, oh. I was like, hmm. Do you know the other memo? At least they could go up and like cut out the date and just put a new one in there. I wouldn't be shocked if we get, like, a sticker. Well, because they're all done from the inside, so you would have to go up there and either take the full yeah, I forgot thing it. off or yeah. cut out the, uh... If it was at least, like, a, if it was like a GameStop, like, old cut cardboard things, like, you could, like, put a sticker on it, but yeah. Oh, yeah, GameStop still had their thing up as eleven nineteen. But, like, if they, a lot of times they have, like, cardboard stand-ups. So yeah. Those are easier. You just go, boom, sticker, we're done. Perfect. Uh, that would be it then, probably, for this F1 a show. We will be back in a couple weeks, I guess, with another one for... Would that be the ultimate of the season? Uh, that's that's the thing, right? Like, everybody uses the term penultimate mm -hmm. as the second to last. So is the last the ultimate? Uh, see, these are I, good questions. I would guess... Okay. Who, knows? Who knows? And we will find out then. AJ, thank you for leading this fun adventure through the world of the fast cars. I'm proposing for season two, we're going to do snail racing, just to give us a change of pace. Well, hopefully, as long as uh, the situation can get better, hopefully in season two we will have a live race that we be at. This is true. Yeah. Have fun, everyone. Bye. This episode is partially brought to you by the Humble Choice Program. Did you know Humble Bundle has a great monthly subscription service that lets you get a ton of video games every single month? That's right. From plans range from $5 to 20 bucks a month, you get a hold of a bunch of free games they have available to you. And you can use our code down in the description below to go and sign up. It would help our podcast and help you see what great games are available for you this month. This podcast was a production of The SWW Show. To learn more, go to theswwshow.com. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter at The SWW Show. You can follow me at Mikey underscore Maroney. You can follow AJ at Lossy Remember, new episodes premiere on Friday 
9 a.m. Central Time on anchor.fm slash SWW and podcast services around the globe.